0: Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative. And on today's episode, I was lucky enough to sit down with what i'm going to call a bit of an elder in the world of business and entrepreneurship in the most loving honorable respectful way i was lucky enough to sit with mukti who is the founder of her own company mukti organics and it's a skincare range that is organic and certified organic and is stocked around australia But Mukti has been in business for 20 plus years. I think she just had her 20th birthday. So it was an absolute honor for me to sit with someone who runs a product that she started and developed herself and started a business long before um, digital marketing and social media and all the things that we work with now in our business. So she had to develop this concept, get it off the ground, Find her stockist, um, build her database, all from a completely different strategy to what we do and how we mostly do that nowadays. And so Mukti is going to share with you some of those strategies that she used really early on. And what I loved about it is that whilst um, it was different to what we do now, and you know there wasn't, it was probably a lot harder to do it. Um, the same concepts and there's some really great strategies and advice that she shares into how to build a database, how to get your product in the right people's hands, how to build a brand and a reputation, as well as pivoting, you know, of being in business for 20 years. Um, it makes sense for an entrepreneur to be on top of trends and um, revamping the brand and the message and everything that they stand for so Mukti shares how she's done that as well as some really good insights into developing a product from scratch and what that took and also how do you um, get a certified organic rating and why would you do that so there's some really good insights there as well as giving some advice to the younger version of herself. When she was starting this brand, she was a single mum. So looking back on that part of her life, what she would have done differently and maybe some tips for other mums out there who might be starting businesses. And then we also dive into some health and well-being tips because Mukti is very passionate about this and I'm very inspired to learn how to hack our own biology and get our bodies in peak um, performing quality by looking after them with some good tips um, similar to what we did with Sam on the podcast and the PT side of things. Mukti shares some insights into nutrition, self-care. We talk a little bit on cold showers and a few other little bits and pieces um, that might be helpful for uh performing, I guess, like getting your body into a peak performance state, which is something that I'm definitely interested in. So enjoy this podcast. Mukti has so much wisdom to share. Um, She talks about funding her startup and every step she took in a really honest, raw, down-to-earth way. And it was an absolute honor to be able to break open her journey, but also extract the 20 years of absolute gold in business that she was able to share with us. Enjoy the podcast, guys, and I look forward to hearing what you think. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Mukti. Lovely to have you. Yeah, lovely to catch up with you too. I think we tried to do
1: this a little while ago, but the timing's actually really good because there's been a few things that have happened since we first went to chat.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's been a bit of a weird time, and it's um, there's been lots of amazing conversations we've been trying to have, but it's nice to finally be here. I'm looking forward to catching up and hearing more about you and your business. So thank you for for your time.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. All right. Well, we might jump into it, and I'm excited to um, dive a little bit deeper. I, I'm not sure whether we've had too much of the the beauty industry. Um, covered on our podcast um, for a long time now so I'm excited to get your story and a bit of insights into what you do with your brand and um, yeah what the industry is like for our our startups out there who might be looking to enter into developing their own brand in this space. So before we kick off I might just get you to introduce yourself and your brand and tell us a little bit about what you do and how it came about.
1: Yeah so my name's Mukti and i named the brand after myself. Um, retrospectively, I don't know whether I would have done that. I think back then my ego was a little bit healthier than it is now. Um, and so the ethos or the meaning behind the name and the philosophy is in Sanskrit it means freedom and liberation and in Hindu it means rebirth. And um, so what I set about to do was to create a, certified organic skincare range Um, back then, which was around 1998, showing my age now. um, I was looking for products to use on my clients. And at that stage, there really wasn't a lot. There wasn't actually even a certified organic standard for skincare. Um, So I began the journey looking for a certified organic brand. And I was using a few heritage brands out of Europe um, for my facials and my clients back then. And I had a background in naturopathy and complementary medicine, always loved plant medicine and herbs and aromatherapy. And I was looking at products that I could find to use those in my facials. And uh, that was when I recognised there was a bit of a niche. And so I thought, you know, this can't be too hard. I'm probably just like making a cake or... You know, cooking, or I'm, I'm sure I can figure this out. And um, it was uh, that was pretty much how the journey began. And then I had a client one day, and I promised to make her a cleanser and a moisturizer. And mm-hmm. um, I had a time frame; I think it was about a month to do it. And so I went ahead and did that. And the first iterations were very rudimentary, and I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, Actually, I think my first pro- product backtracking was a, a lip balm, and it was um, had a lot of beeswax and honey and macadamia nut oil in there, and um, I didn't realise that how hard it was going to be just to make a lip balm. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a lot more challenging than I'd anticipated because it had oil and water phase, and it was all temperature-reliant. And so when things didn't kind of work out how I expected them to work out, I eventually went on and did a, um, a course in cosmetic chemistry and cosmetic science and just to gain a better understanding of what was happening when things didn't work out the way that I had expected. Um, so that sort of encapsulates a little bit of my background and Amazing. history and, you know, how it all came about. So that was back in 2000 when I launched the brand. So it's been... I mean, my 20th year just crossed over in July, wow. so.
0: Congratulations. I think birthday. Yeah, happy birthday <laughs> to you, 20 a de- years. A Two
1: decades, two decades wow. on. Yeah, so there's been a lot of, I'm, I'm not actually a startup, but um, there's been a lot of history and a lot of learnings that I hopefully can share with you and, you know, give that information and get some insight into the pitfalls and,
0: yeah, and yeah. lots. you've you've probably seen a lot of twists and turns in how business is operating, um, and I'm excited to dive into that. I think it's a it, like just starting off with that um, your story. It's like really understanding and something that I'm passionate about is like what makes an entrepreneur. You know, like what makes somebody who actually can do this. You know, and I think as a business coach and having just written a book about how to turn a passion into a, a how to start a side hustle. It's, um, you know, I think one of the first questions people ask themselves is like, can I do this? Or, you know, am I an entrepreneur or am I good enough? And um, for me, it sounds though you've got that skill set that you were inquisitive and you were like, there's something here that I need, but I can't find. So heck, I'll do it.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, initially when you start out, I think it feels like it's going to be a lot easier than it might be, and and that's probably a good thing because it keeps you going, but there's a lot of tenacity that's involved with that. Um, And I started with the NICE program, the new incentive employment scheme, which I think is still around today just in a different... Yeah,
0: it is. Yeah. And
1: so that gave me a little bit... I had no capital. Um, I've always bootstrapped the whole way through. I've loaned money a couple of times from family and friends but Mm. always repaid it. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't like owning, owning money or borrowing money, so I've always just sort of managed with um, yeah. the finance side of things. And the NICE program really helped me and I guess my expectations when I began were very unrealistic as to what I thought my first year's turnover was going to be. I think I had it, you know, 1.2 million of something ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I did. I thought I did all the, you know, the spreadsheet correctly. Um but back then, too, there wasn't the internet. Um, well, I still, there were computers that were just sort of starting to be used in business and um, it was only just sort of the beginning of the whole dot .com. And so that was a very different way of doing business back then. So you literally had to go out and peddle your wares and knock on doors and do everything by manually, really, um, even even sending out information about products and what you were doing was all stale mail. And, wow. and so one of the, yeah, so one of the other things I did was I started at the Umandi Markets, which you being a Sunshine Coast girl, um, would probably... I and, do, I
0: know them yeah. very well.
1: Yeah, so that was where I sort of cut my teeth and that was interacting with people and um, face-to-face and somehow I had the insight to start collecting people's email addresses and that was a really good insight because I realised too that your money is in your own database and your own list, um, your own email addresses Mm. because if anything happens, even with social platforms today, you really need to own that list
0: um,
1: and own your own database and have control over that. So that was a good starting point for me. Um,
0: I think it's a, that's even, a you know, it's still relevant today as well, obviously collecting databases, but going to where your customer is, like it's an advice I give often and, you know, it, I've, I still feel like market stands are relevant to that. Um, but, you know, there's so much value and I think people forget this with with social media of like putting their putting their stuff on the internet and being like, okay, everyone's going to come flooding to me now, but a real business that is out to serve a certain target market goes to them and say, and says, hey, here's what I've got for you. I think it's gonna, you're going to like it, right?
1: Well, back then that was really the only option that you had. I mean, now with, um, you know, D2C online marketing, all the other mm. platforms that you've got that you can feed in and channel into the business, you can get there a lot faster than what what I could back then. And so it was, it was really, you know, it, it took a lot longer, but it's been slow and steady and mm. I'm kind of grateful for that because if I'd had, for example, if I had startup capital, I've, I probably wouldn't have used it in the right way back then. <laughs> as well so
0: I often think that I'm like I remember at the beginning and being like oh, if someone could just give me thirty thousand dollars I probably would have gone and bought a car or something stupid that I didn't need or like overspent on some luxe accessory that wasn't necessary
1: yeah you really like if it makes you more um creative if you don't have that money there because you've really got to you've got to use whatever you can to to get to that next step or that next level or where it is that you're going. And I think overarching you've got to have a really clear strategy and plan in place and um, and bringing the right people on board onto your team in order to help you get there. And that doesn't happen when you're starting up because you don't have that finance. You're really just um, supporting yourself. And then I guess I'm lucky now too because my children have grown up but back then I was a single mother so mm. it was pretty difficult juggling everything. Yeah. I think I um, don't I think I've got amnesia. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I, look at some, I look at some mums now who are, you know, working and running their businesses and it's just like, oh, how do you do that? And then
0: I was <laughs> like, oh, I actually did that. So <laughs> it's when you started.
1: Mm, Aisha, I had her when I was I'd already started the business and Kiana was she must have been about five so luckily I had them when I was younger in my 20s so I had a bit more energy but um mm-hmm. I do remember Asia. I remember sitting on my computer back then and having her breastfeeding her and tapping away on the keyboards and getting invoices out and I actually really regret that. So one of the lessons, one of the takeouts with that is when you do have younger children is, and I think it's affected her to a certain extent too because I I was always busy and Mm. I think it's so important, those precious moments that you have with your children is just to be really present with them. And I still have really bad memories of me sitting at my keyboard breastfeeding her and it's just Mm. like, that was just wrong. Like Mm. I would never do that again now with what I know but... I was really doing, I was pulling 16 hour days back then and I was loving it. Like I was fully in, engrossed in it and very passionate about it. So it didn't feel like work, but they were long hours with a little baby. and Yeah. Um, yeah so what
0: would, what would you, I think it's an interesting topic because I, and I get asked this a lot of the time and I don't have a child and yet but um the I think it's a really big battle like the with mums who are going like I I've got this passion and it's what I love and you know it doesn't feel like work um but then also the other passion which is you know raising children and being present there as well is there is there any insights you would give to the younger version of yourself like if you were to look back on that you know that young 20s um version of yourself like what would you say to her now yeah,
1: oh, look, the time goes so fast when you've got small children and when you're in it, it doesn't feel like they that it is going fast. It feels like it's really a struggle. Um, I think if you've got a really good support team and it does really take a village to raise a child, so making sure you've got as many people and as much support as you can um, and just being really present with them and, and um, they need one-on-one adult time and... Um, I just I think it's so important because it does go so far so I would I would have liked to have been more present more available more aware than I am than I was then I think mm. I was just so focused on I've got to create this business so that I can actually provide for my children as well yeah. I, I wanted them to have um, access to you know um, just not have the stresses that I was experiencing. Um, which they don't know, which is kind of lucky, but I think they appreciate that because they've also seen what I've gone through over the, the years to create the business. So they really they don't take it for granted. So I think mm. that's good as a role model. But at the same time, I feel like I missed some of those really beautiful moments because I was so busy. Yeah. Um, so if you can do your best to balance it, you know, cut cut in the hours, cut in the time and not resent them and not resent that time that you're having with them because it just, it honestly goes so fast and it's so, so precious. Mm. I actually have a bit of grief around it, I think, when I'm yeah. talking about it now, I'm sort of tearing up because I'm thinking, oh, I wish I had, you know, really embraced those moments a lot more. So yeah. that would be really, a, a you know, my message in relation to that is, don't miss their childhoods. Yeah. You might get them back. You just will yeah. not get them back. Mm. It's probably more important than the
0: business. Yeah, amazing like family. Mm. Yeah, I mean, thank you, thank you for your insights and for sharing so vulnerably um, with that. It's a, uh, it's definitely something I think a lot of people struggle with, and it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to give advice on, but it's nice to hear other people's experiences. I think. Yeah, um, look, I
1: did struggle with it and I remember moments where I'd be like, oh, I just want to work,
0: <laughs> go to sleep. I- yeah <laughs> <Leave> it <alone. laughs> yeah it's almost like your own baby isn't it running a business oh it's totally and your own added, baby added yeah. Child. oh yeah so if we sure. go back to to that startup phase so you get this um you have this idea and you're like all right i've got to deliver on this where did it where, what were some of those first things you did so you obviously went and studied this course that um helped you to understand it realizing how hard it was which i think is also fabulous advice for um entrepreneurs like a lot of people ask like you know how much do I charge or how do I you know increase my pricing or whatever it might be and or or imposter syndrome a lot of the advice I give is um go and make yourself better if you don't feel good enough then there's ways that you can upskill and you should always be continuing to learn as well as a business owner um so you went and understood that further and then what were what were your next steps from there so that from that first development phase?
1: Yeah, so it was literally back then. The positioning of the brand was more um, health food pharmacy based, mm-hmm. and I literally went door to door and knocked and said, "Here, I've got this range of products." I so did the we're
0: whole there at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I did the whole Colonel Sanders thing. Sort of really just going. I, I remember driving from Queensland all the way to Sydney and literally just stopping in every country town wow. and signing up accounts. So, yeah, mm. it, was, it was hard, Yakko. I, I did the footwork to get that. it into doors. Um, and but, you face a lot of rejection. I was going to ask that that. how was
0: that process because I know when I started out with my magazine and trying to get interviews and um, advertising of the number you know when you're first starting out and people like we don't know who you are we don't know what you're doing like you know it's that it can get a lot of knockbacks especially when you are so young in the business a lot of people can take those knockbacks and not bounce back as well so what was your how did you handle that and what were some of the processes or oh look it was it
1: was hard I mean rejection on any level especially when you're so invested in what you've created and you really want someone else to understand what that's like to have put so much time and energy into every aspect of it and then to be rejected at face is really really challenging you've got to have a a lot of tenacity and resilience to keep going. So, and to not take it personally, and then just to literally pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and push through it, move forward, and stay really positive. So, mm. uh, I mean, you know, look, looking back, um, yeah, it's it's difficult. As I said before, it's it's like this moments of amnesia about how did I actually get there. It's <laughs> just it it was just believing that. I had a product that was uh, worthwhile and that what I'd created was that there was a niche there. So the few people that did pick it up and did accept the product and and took it into their um, health food shops or their pharmacies um, really believed and supported me. And, And some of those have still got accounts today. There's one because I've changed the strategy of the brand since then and we've changed our channels as, as to where we sell the product. So we're now more um, high-end spas and um, more professional range oriented as opposed to being in health, food and pharmacy. We, Because the industry has changed and um, there's so many product ranges available now, we were just getting lost in that environment and I really wanted people to be able to have the experience of being consulted with to address their particular skin concerns and their problems. So having it just sitting there on a shelf in in a shop without someone being able to service the client um, wasn't ideal. So then we pulled Mm -hmm. out back in 2018, um, we pulled out of Health Food and Pharmacy and I've got one store left, which is um, Canara, up at Forest Glen, who's still got the product range, um, yeah. They've got uh, practitioners in there but yeah, I just wanted to be able to offer people that customized skincare consult so that's mm. why we changed our strategy. And I think you've got to keep pivoting all the way through like keep seeing what the industry's doing and and how things are changing and adapt to that. Mm.
0: And I think that's yeah, it's good advice because it's um what I hear from that experience is like putting you know, how you want to perceive the brand out into the world in um, like from that brand story and this is how we want it to be experienced and then being making sure that that is oozed through all of the different touch points and how your customer is going to experience it. I think sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this thing and then just throw it out there and don't give that extra thought to, well, um, you know, is it high-end and we're in the marketplace and how do you want your customer to experience it and then where does that, like, then how does that look and how does that inform your marketing plan or your stockist or your branding look and feel, you know?
1: The identity is crucial. Getting that right from the outset is also crucial, but I didn't have that from the outset. I, it's changed a lot in that time and I think that's um just been part of the brand development so i've pivoted a few times and i did want initially want it to be a, a professional range um but then i didn't have enough products i didn't have enough of a selection and enough lines for that to be accepted um into that area mm-hmm. and so then, then i thought well i'll focus on the health side of it and and people who are looking for a natural organic alternative because back then as well clean beauty was not a thing people Mm. were not reading labels people were not aware people were assuming that well it's for sale so therefore it must be okay it's been through all these rigorous testing and it can't just be sold you know without it um having been tested for safety and you know there was an unknown about the long-term compounded effects of certain ingredients which we're now starting to see the, you know, the scientific data on those based on different studies that have been done. Um, It's a a difficult industry too because those epidemiological studies are difficult to conduct. Um, But we all now know about, you know, a lot of people avoid parabens and a lot of people avoid EDCs, endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and, um, and the conscious consumer is now reading labels and just questioning um, those ingredients, which is why I sort of said about it and wrote my book a couple of years ago as well, um, which was all about the A to Z of ingredients that had been blacklisted. And then I hinged the whole book around that because I wanted it to be a really easy go-to reference guide for people to make those decisions and make more informed decisions about what they were using and exposing themselves mm. to because we still really do not know the long-term compounded effects of a lot of those um Ingredients that are used in skincare and the interactions, and um, yeah, the jury's still out on those without being fear based, but it's just about empowering yourself with knowledge. Um, So,
0: yeah, and I think that I was having this conversation with a client yesterday actually around, um, you know, that you know, 20 years ago, exactly what you're saying is people weren't thinking like this, and now, you know, I think that it's almost. expected of a business entering the marketplace now to have a some sort of you know ethical side to it whether it's how they you know manufacture or the ingredients they're using or their packaging or their you know if they're they're giving back in some way or what they stand for like with people are expecting more of brands to you know be transparent and to do good and not it's not just a like what are you, you know you're going to do for me but people are having more of that conscious um decision making process because there are so many options so we seem and, to be digging behind the brand a little bit more and being like hang on a second I really want to get to know you before I give you my money
1: yeah and I think that's where business is going now or I hope that it is because there's no point in creating more junk there's enough junk out there there's enough consumerism there's enough products that are, are there just because they're people are wanting to make money it's like you've got to have a a more ethical stance. There's got to be a sustainability chart and you've got to be, you You have to, you are transparent whether you want to be or not because that's the way that the world is.
0: Yeah, it's right what's now. expected Everything of is, you.
1: Well, it's just all there. You know, you can't yep. hide. So yeah. um, it's really important to have that as part of your backbone and, and the ethics behind the business because Absolutely. you will be caught out otherwise. If you're just in it for making money, then for me, that's not, enough um i wouldn't be satisfied with that i want to be able to primarily help people and um assist them in in getting results for their skin and Mm. also taking into consideration the impact that what i'm creating is having on the environment because i couldn't sleep at night if i was just in it for churning out products just another product line or just okay well this was a really successful marketing campaign that Mm. uh, that we created for this product range and you know, we took it to acquisition and, and we did all that within, you know, a five year period and that was the primary goal. To me, that's just more raping and pillaging and, and I it just doesn't sit well with me. It's not yeah. it's not what drives me, it's not what I'm passionate about at all. I'm actually I find it quite abhorrent and it wouldn't be aligned with me and my stance yeah. and where where I'm at. So yeah, yeah I, I, I like to think that I'm doing some good in the world. Um and, and being able to use that then to help other people and and um, use it for good and and you know I haven't met a benevolent billionaire as yet so you know um, yeah it's just important yeah. to to have that as as, as part of your business um, as part of the the drive as yeah. part of what's the backbone of the business like why why are you doing this what is your end goal you
0: know yeah is it, is absolutely it the betterment I think it's yeah obviously uh, part of the success of your business being you know in the game for 20 years and still going and being able to pivot and change and I understand you've just done some um new work around your collagen which would be interesting to hear about um but before we jump into that I'm, I'm actually just for those who are who might be looking to enter the space of, of producing a beauty product um or health or well-being you know um um industry what would what 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 is the process like and maybe what is um you what was your experience because you know what you share about it being quite um you know regulated and I know that you have to get you know so many tests done and you know understanding the ingredients and all of like the technical side back end side of you know putting out what you put out, um, was there any, like, major knockbacks or lessons that you learnt along the way that um, that would be helpful to share for our audience? Yeah, so, look, it, the industry actually isn't
1: as regulated as you might think. We're regulated because we have certified organic status, which means that we are independently audited by a third party, which is...
0: Is that hard to get? The, yeah,
1: yeah, it is because you've got to everything the everything's got to be traceable back to the last drop that you that comes into your premises so you've actually got to be totally accountable um the red tape that's involved with that the amount of it basically is a full-time job for a person within the business to maintain all of that information and that data and to keep it up to date so everything has to reflect that from the moment it comes into the um, manufacturing plant and by the time it leaves everything's got to be accounted for so with us too, we we're in a new, unique position where we handle every part of the business so we manufacture in-house we retail wholesale distribute and I also have beauty rooms as well so there's all those arms are within the business which has been good because we've been able to control a lot of a lot of the um like if I was reliant on an external manufacturer, for example, I could be in a little bit of trouble right now because there's been a huge um, amount of growth in the beauty industry in the last few months in particular because a lot of people are at home, they're taking care of their skin, they've got more time. It's it's definitely a growth industry right now. And um, as a result of that, if I was relying on an external manufacturer and their production production, and their schedule, I think, you know, that could have its um, setbacks. So in saying that we've been, we, we're in control of all those processes and I could see earlier on when COVID was coming, I actually didn't know what was going to happen. I thought that it could go one way or the other, but I had this little bit of money that was sitting there so I just invested it all in packaging and in materials because I felt that if everything was going to become... If everything was going to stop. At least then we could still supply our domestic clients with the products. So you've really got to, and it's a very different environment that we're dealing with now. So you've almost got to preempt, or and and you've got to take risks as well mm. um, in relation to you know not knowing what the, the what what's going to happen next. And it's been such a, a tricky year. 2020's just been an amazingly challenging year for so many people, and even with growth then comes other obstacles and other roadblocks um, and you usually don't get to that point in business either where you can afford to get the right people on the team the right people on the bus um, have you know have those people there that can guide you um, I've I've been very fortunate now to be able to track that into my business and to be able to afford to pay those people to come on board in an advisory capacity. So we have an overarching strategic plan
0: mm. um,
1: and I can now get the right people to help me get to that, you know, to, to get to that end goal. Um, yeah. But it is difficult when you first start because you can't necessarily afford to have those people in your business. So you literally have to do everything yourself. But
0: yeah, I think, I think it's always um,
1: important to... Yeah, to surround yourself, sorry, by people who expect or know more than you know. Um, Absolutely. Smarter, wiser, who've been there, who've been in the industry, who've done it before, and they can guide you. Um, And I'm... Yeah, I'm very blessed right now to have someone like that in my business, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've invested in coaches from day one in my business. It wouldn't be, you would never have started if I had not had that person to bounce ideas off and and get clarity and, you know, like, who's like, yep, you can do this and believe in you. And then as you're growing and scaling, bringing on on the right people who can help you to dream bigger and logistically get there. Because I think as entrepreneurs, like, you know, your passion comes from, you know, the the beauty industry and like in producing a a quality product, you're not meant to be able to, you know, do all of it. Like that's being able to outsource other people's knowledge and skill sets is one of the fastest ways to grow, I think.
1: Yeah, so having a mentor on board is is really important as well and then also identifying what you like, the aspects of the business that you you're good at and what you enjoy doing mm. so that that passion stays there because like in a 20-year history of the business that's obviously ebbed and waned at different times and I pulled myself out of the business I lived in Indonesia for a couple of years in Bali so I wasn't mm. actually there physically in the business yeah. um but then the business is only as good as the input and what you put into it so I I've um didn't experience as much growth in those years when I wasn't fully invested in it but i had a little hiatus and i came back and you know invigorated and again you know it's just so important Mm. to hire the right people and to be very slow in that process and really vet your employees because as an employer um, it's it's a lot more difficult to move people out of your business than it is to to initially hire them so you're also going to be having very long-term relationships with those people and very intimate relationships with those people even more so than you would be having with your own family and your own spouse so yeah. one of the key takeouts I'd really like to impress upon people is be very 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 considered and very slow to hire and really yeah. vet it really, really vet those people that you're bringing into your business because you are going to have a long-term relationship with them. Um,
0: Absolutely. And
1: there's a lot of trust and a lot of uh, it's a deep relationship and they've got to have the same values and the same ethos and the same vision as you've got to get you to where you want to go to.
0: Yeah, great advice. Um, yeah. Yeah, very, very vital. And I've heard that time and time again with people um, on our podcast and the magazine. so it's a good reminder um, we might jump into some advice around, I'd be keen to hack your, um, your mind on, um, and we shared a little bit offline before we started the podcast recording, um, having come out of the back of my book, when I know you know what it's like to well, yeah. finish the book. Um, Congratulations,
1: by the way, that's amazing, I'm, I'm sure you feel incredible. Relieved,
0: yeah. It's um, it's been a wild experience of mm. um, you know, I'm sure um, for those at home, Mukti also has a book. Um, but so it, it was, you know, what it's like of feeling like, oh my god, I'm doing writing a book, and then you know the deadline starts to be fast approaching, and then it's like, shit, I've got to actually write this book, and then the self doubt. that's like, can I write a book, and then actually finishing. And I, I was actually um in a bit of like I was really teary after I finished I was like I can't mm. believe I just did that and now I'm in this weird phase where I'm like yeah man everyone can write a book <laughs> like I it's probably part of my downfall of just like and like what's my next goal like not soaking it up enough um but what I was wanting to ask you is because I I think that it's in like I by no means was any um great pillar of health throughout the last few weeks there I was doing crazy hours and you know not prioritizing nutritious meals living off uber eats um you know finding it hard to remove myself from the desk and get up and exercise and things like that but something that i did um learn in or well, that i was studying whilst writing was this whole idea around motivation and mindset and you know something that everyone I think struggles with in achieving a goal, whether it's starting a business or growing a business or, you know, saving for a house. It's the, the, um, the mindset that tends to hold us back. And it's really easy, I think, to, to be like, you know, just do it and, you know, kind of get some inspiration and stuff. But something that I learned um, in my studies and that I thought was really powerful is that we also have the ability to hack our biology and um, you know the chemical makeups in our body, and um, you know what we're putting into it, and things, and even if your mind's not totally on board, you can actually do things that shifts you know the chemicals in your body. Whether it's you know doing some star jumps, or you know um, watching a funny video, or you know gratitude diary, like they can all release chemicals in our body. But it made me think about. Um, be the whole idea of health and wellness and and maybe getting your advice on what is some what would you say are some um some nutritional you know health tips that we can give to our entrepreneurs out there who maybe are putting in long hours or feeling run down or or lacking some clarity or ability to you know to think long term you know like um longevity in energy levels and things like that. Would you have some insights into some little practical hacks that we can give people as to how to optimise their body for um, success in their business?
1: Sure. Well, I'll just give you my sort of routine and what I do, and that might be helpful, um, just as a bit of a template. So my partner is um, a personal trainer, so everything that we do is around health and we make those decisions and we make them right down to a cellular level. So for example, I know I'm gonna go out, it's Friday night tonight. I know that I'm going to meet a friend and I'm probably going to have a drink. So tomorrow I'm going to pay the price for of that drink. I'll probably I'm not a big drinker these days. So if I have one drink, it's going to affect me tomorrow. So I've got to prepare myself in advance for that. So when you start thinking of everything at a cellular level, that's when it all changes because Say, for example, if you have some fried food and a cellular level, that's going to take six months for your body to rid yourself of that fried food that you ate. So, when you start thinking, when you break it down, I don't know if I want this advice
0: anymore.
1: (laughs) When you break it down like that, so I kind of have this rule if it's in a packet, your body can't hack it because part of my background is in. Yeah, so it's usually got hydrogenated fats or sugar. It's been processed in some way. So your body's going to have to deal with that. So you're going to get inflammation. You're going to get mitochondrial dysfunction. You're going to get brain fog. You're not going to be thinking or operating at at a high level if you're going to be putting that sort of stuff in. So I like to use the sun in the mornings. I like to use, I like to walk barefoot on the beach, get the energy, get the negative ions. um, Breathe, simple thing, breathing through your nose. um, um, start to be aware of people that breathe through their mouths, and then start to be aware of where you're breathing. You're breathing through your mouth or through your nose. That can also really help with your energy levels. Um, we do things like saunas and ice baths. We do the whole Wim Hof. We do a lot of breathing. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, we're, we're I'm trying to get core. into the, um, <laughs> you are hardcore. I'm trying, my girlfriend's trying to get me into um, cold showers and I can do about 10 seconds of That's great. <laughs> That's great. Start somewhere. It's good to
1: start somewhere. And it's sort of like, it's also putting your body under a little bit of healthy stress because we don't do that. We're so sort of, um, we like we our comfort. So it's good to put yourself through that little bit of, uncomfortable stress Mm. diving into the ocean
0: in the middle of winter is obviously a really good reset if you can do that can you give me a quick little just for those at home because i know that it is like i always feel better after i do the cold shower even though i Mm. whinge and moan about it Mm. um and try to resist it (laughs) um but do what is like the quick little recap for wim hof yeah so you
1: could just start with like a 30-second, um, do hot-cold, 30 yep. seconds on, then go back to your normal normal temperature and then 30 seconds off. So you can just do it that way and then you can build up. But the main thing is is just building up to it. I mean, if you're going to do a, an ice bath, which is usually around three minutes, you've got to do the breathing preparation before that. You wouldn't just go and put yourself in at zero degrees. You'd probably... Because everything in your body is screaming to get out. It's like oh, yep. you're under complete duress um,
0: and the, what does it do what it, it actually um what yeah do you know yeah there's
1: there's there's lots of health benefits it helps stimulate the brown fat which is a good fat it helps you your metabolism um it helps with um it's it it helps mainly with your mind health as well but that the other benefits are um yeah putting yourself into an extreme situation, but then it also affects your whole physiology. So the, the effects of doing it regularly on a daily basis is when you start to see the benefits of that um, and stretching yourself. Um, but, yeah, the physiology behind it is um, it helps your immune system. It helps you to um, yeah. become more robust and more res- resilient. So there's so many different facets to it. Um, mm. The Europeans right. have been doing... They've been doing it for years. They do. They've been doing saunas and yeah. and, um, and ice baths or, or bathing in the cold and and also sunlight, using sunlight as a form of healing. And right now, you know, it's really imperative that we look at um, staying healthy and fit and really building our immune system. So, you know, with that too, I can just sort of lead into the collagen side of it and yeah. why I created that product because um, everything, as we know now, in the last ten years, gut health is. Um, imperative as far as our overall health, immunity and well-being is concerned. So I wanted to create a product that was going to help replace collagen, which has to come from an animal source ideally. Um, Marine collagen is known for protecting skin against um, UV light and helping with um, restoring uh, the lost collagen in the body as well. It helps with nails and hair and gut health. And then I put some other um, interesting antioxidant antioxidants in there from berries and vitamin C. Um, It's also got a prebiotic in there from Jerusalem artichokes, so that Mm. helps with the gut health, aloe vera, um, hyaluronic acid, which is also found in our bodies, which also diminishes as we age, Um, astaxanthin, which is is a, a, a marine seaweed, and then resveratrol, which comes from the grapes, um, so that's really good for anti-aging as well. So it was about mm-hmm. creating a skin tonic. And so just do you, to, Is
0: that part of your morning routine, your collagen? Yes,
1: yeah, so I'll have that. Um, usually what I do in the morning is I'll have uh, a bulletproof coffee when I wake up. I've okay. actually been awake since four this morning. <laughs> I like getting up at four. I usually do a meditation when before I wake up just as I'm waking up and then I'll get up and I'll have a, a bulletproof coffee. And then I'll exercise and I'll go to the beach and then I'll come back and do a few hours in front of the computer. But it, your brain's only going to be able to work in a in a focused way for a certain period of time. So it's good to break that up um, and have your little pomodoras not to be sitting at a desk for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, we're not designed to be sedentary. We're not designed to be sitting at desks. So incorporating some sort of movement in your daily routine is well, so you're not just sitting at the desk the whole time, also changing your posture, moving around, maybe sitting at a coffee table with some bolsters, um, and then having another where you can stand up and work as well is also really good. So moving your workstations around rather than just staying in one position. Yeah. Um I just like observing older people and seeing what their postures like, how they're breathing, um, how resilient, robust they are, and then making a decision now as to how I want to be when I'm that age. And mm-hmm. there's, it's not that many healthy older people that I've seen so far. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that in a judgmental way. It's just more about, mm, I want to, if I want to continue to live, you know, and to a, a reasonable age. Another then twenty
0: years in business too.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I might pass that on to my daughters. But um, mm-hmm. but if I want to live to a healthy age, I want to start making those decisions now or if you really have to start making those decisions earlier in life because that sets you up for good health as you get older. So it's all about how do you want to age and yeah. taking that into consideration with the daily choices that you're making. And that comes down again to that cellular level. If I do this, what's the payoff going to be? Um, and I think it's good to look at older people that are in your life and make a decision as to whether you want to be like that and whether you you, you are in control of, of what your future is going to be by those choices and decisions, be it what you're thinking, what you're eating, what you're, you know, what you're consuming. Um, are you sitting watching, you know, uh, the news on repeat day after day, you know, COVID-19, horror stories, fear, 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 Mm. not healthy, like remove those things that don't uplift you, that don't make you feel good, that don't make you feel positive, that don't energise you. Remove those people from your life that don't make you feel good, that don't energise you, that, you know, I I try to remove as much toxicity as possible from my life and and attract what I want to attract. So if everything's energy...
0: Uh, And I think it's such good advice because I think sometimes we get into this unconscious pattern and I think, you know, we talked a little bit about it before of like this whole, you know, especially in the business world, it can be so easy to be sold the lie of like hustle, 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 like, you know, eat crap food, don't, you know, do these big long hours and that equals success. And for me, I've never wanted to buy into that. I've never, like, obviously there's periods of time where you're meeting a deadline and maybe you, you, um you know you will have to you know pull some crazy hours and and work harder than you've ever worked but majority of my business experience has been like you know what i'm going to i'm going to ride this around the way that i want to live my life because you know the reason i started my business was that i didn't want to be sold the rat race you mm-hmm. know um So it's good to, I think, exactly what you're saying is being like, where is, you know, these toxins in your life that are draining your energy? And if you really do, you know, I think then that's where you can get to that point where you can, if you're living a healthy life that is um, conscious and you're aware of what you're putting in, then into your life and surrounding yourself with, then your energy levels are higher. You're able to do a couple of hours of work a day and produce the results that you might want to be producing because you're in a clearer headspace.
1: Absolutely. It's yeah. really, yeah, and then once you start to break that down and, you know, life is just, it is it goes fast and it is incredibly short. Like I can't even believe that I've been in business for 20 mm. years and I can't believe that I have a 25-year-old. You know, it's <laughs> just like, how did that happen? <laughs> um, but, you, are, you know, it's, it's, it's your attitude towards everything too, so... I'm just very careful now about how I choose to spend my time and energy and, um, and also using it wisely. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that all comes down to the choices that we make and the absolutely. long-term effects of those
0: choices. For sure, absolutely. And maybe just to wrap us up, um, I'd love to get your number one tip for somebody out there who might be listening and thinking. I'd really like to start. You know, a, a beauty label, or or enter this the world of health and well wellbeing um, on some level. What would your number one tip from twenty years in the industry um, be for somebody looking to start or grow their business in this space? Wow, loaded question.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I would be looking at primarily what your objective is, like and also looking to create something that is unique and different, like you've really got to try and find that niche without shooting your dreams down. Um, I think that um, it's really important to have a a strategy and a plan. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have a lot of capital because you can be creative, um, but you need to have something that, is a little bit different to what everyone else is doing. Like there's still, there's still, I can identify um, things that I would add on to my range that I can see that there's uh, white spaces. Um, So they're still out there. It's just what is it that's different about what you're doing? What is it that's really unique? Mm. And it, it could be a brand story that could be unique in itself, but it's got to be genuine. It's got to cut through because, as we talked about before, you know, there's just not a lot of room for BS anymore. You know, mm. It's too, it, everything's too transparent. Yeah. yeah. So that would be my main thing is just like, you know, it's it's kind of multi-pronged because you've got to have, you know, an overarching strategy and, and also you've also got to really be, um have the tenacity to, to stick with something too and really it's like a marathon or being halfway through a, a really horrible workout you just want it to be over but mm. you've just got to keep going to break through to that next level so you've got to cut it down in chunks um absolutely yeah so I think right. um yeah find your point of difference and um and your story because you your story through. is always going to be unique
0: absolutely great advice and kind of wraps us up from where we started which is i saw a gap in the market and i went for it yay so great thank you so much and um before we just let us know where you people can find your amazing products yeah so
1: muktiorganics.com and then my personal instagram is at by mukti b-y-m-u-k-t-i um, and at muktiorganics.com is the website, and the book is on there, and the collagen that we talked about, and all the other, I think there's like 30 products on there now. So, um, yeah, we have a beauty rewards program, and we like to help people out. And, um, yeah, if, if I can be of any assistance to any startup entrepreneurs, and if there's any questions, I'm always happy to answer them as well.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today, and insights, and health tips. And for your time. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.